You're listening to the free edition of Sweden in Focus from The Local. If you would like to listen to a full-length version of the podcast, as well as an additional midweek episode, please check the episode notes for details on how to upgrade to Membership Plus. Here's this week's free edition. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Sweden in Focus, the local's weekly news podcast. We're recording this episode on Thursday the 7th of December and this week we'll chat about Jävla's famous Christmas goat which may or may not go up in flames this year. We'll discuss a leaked Russian intelligence report allegedly aimed at stirring tensions in Sweden. We'll look at plans the Social Democrats are hatching as they seek to return to power. We'll examine calls for tougher checks on permanent residency permits. We'll talk about major new staff cuts at Spotify and what they mean for workers in Sweden, as well as related issues of what Sweden is doing to attract and retain international workers. In fact, we'll spend a good chunk of this episode getting insights about moving to and integrating in Sweden from our special guest today, Maria fogelstrom Schuberg, CEO of Stockholm Academic Forum, which, among among other things, runs a special network designed to help the accompanying partners of migrant workers get settled in Sweden. I'm your host, Paul O'Mahony, and I'm joined from Malmö by Richard Orange. And with me here in Stockholm are James Savage and the aforementioned Maria fogelstrom Schilberg. Welcome to the podcast, Maria. Thank you. Can you please tell listeners a little bit about yourself and your work? I'm the CEO of the Stockholm Academic Forum, which is a cooperation between all 18 universities and colleges, uh, university colleges in Stockholm, Mm -hmm. together with the city of Stockholm. Right. So our main uh, aim is to show Stockholm, as we normally say, an excellent academic destination Mm. to attract uh, students and uh, scholars. And you also work with the Stockholm Dual Career Network, which is part of the... Exactly. That's Mm. one of our, our... what we work the most with now. Um, It started eight years ago. It's difficult to attract people to move here because our universities are are state-owned, most of them. And to attract uh, really good uh, researchers, they have, it's a big competition from all the rest of the world, actually. So finally, when they got here, many of them left too early uh, because the partner or the family never managed to settle down. So we had to take care of this and do something about this problem uh, to take care of the accompanying partners. So we started the Stockholm Dual Career Network to help them into the job market. Great. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later. How are things with you in Malmö, Richard? Great. Uh, we got the first of our two Christmas parties for the local this evening. So I'm looking forward to that. We're going over to Copenhagen. There's, they, do, they do a big do in the International Press Centre there, which is, ah, which is nice. amazing. Like da- the da- Danish Christmas is really full on, actually. 
It's a lot of different things. So, and then you're having another one. Yeah, we had a misunderstanding. (laughs) We had a slight misunderstanding because we thought it wasn't happening. So we booked this, and then Dushan got in in touch. Who's the head of IT? And he said, "Yeah, when are we having our Christmas party?" And we were like, "Uh, mm, uh." (laughs) we we actually (laughs) booked one without you." But but he can't come because it's uh, the International Press Centre in Copenhagen. So So only journalists. So it's only journalists. Yeah. So we can't. We can't. We can't just drag in the sort of rest of the team it takes more than journalists to make a news publication so it does think, uh, it does we should have we really probably does. we probably could have squeezed them in but it would have squeezed them yeah we probably should have but anyway next matter. year yeah <laughs> how are things with you james things are good with me i'm i also have two christmas parties next week so that'll be fun um, mm. So I'm just, it's Christmas party season and I'm hoping that that this snow will somehow stay around. Looks like it's going to melt though. Very sad about that. Mm. We'll see. Let's stick with Christmas and talk about the famous Christmas goat in Yavla. So the idea is that this giant straw goat is erected every year and you're supposed to try to burn it down. Is that correct, Richard? No, it's absolutely <laughs> not correct. You're absolutely not supposed to burn it down. That is illegal okay. and it's an imprisonable crime. Um, <laughs> okay, but, I'll, but, I'll, um, I'll stop trying. <laughs> but, um, but, well, but actually, you sort of are supposed to. <laughs> and, that, that, and that's kind of why it's so famous. Otherwise, it would just be a kind of sort of slightly lame well otherwise it would just it wouldn't have got anything like the attention because what happened was is on i think the third year of its existence it was burnt down and then it was burnt down year after year after year Mm. and it became a kind of tradition and nobody really knows who burns it down or how that's organized or whether it's just one-off people but for the first sort of 20 years it burnt down a lot more often than it survived till New Year's Eve. But then in the last Mm. five years, it survived, I think, five years in a row. And then it got burnt down in 2021. And then it survived last year. So it sort of happens every year. But the idea that that this is a, a tradition and something that's kind of a bit of fun is not true. And there was this famous story from a few years back where this uh, 51-year-old American got jailed for like 20 years. And he he told the court that his... his, I think 18 days. Yeah, sorry. sorry, Did I say say 18 years? Yeah, he got jailed for 18 days. Sorry. But but, but what what was funniest was was in the court, he was like said that his uh, Swedish uh, friends had convinced him that this was just a bit of fun and that you were supposed to burn it down and provided him with all of the tools to do so and then like pushed him off in the direction of the goat but no you're not supposed to burn it down but it's always quite fun to see if, if it survives and I've been reporting like I think m- must be at least 10 years I've reported on this and I still find it kind of amusing so it's a good it's, <laughs> yeah. I think it's a great story all right well thanks for filling us in on the Yavla goat and we'll add links in the show notes for anyone interested in finding out more Uh, Okay, on to more serious news now. We're just going to run through a few of this week's main stories quite briefly because we want to get into the conversation with Maria. But let's start with this story about a Russian intelligence report and how it relates to the unrest in Sweden that came in the wake of anti-Islam protests. Can you fill us in on this, James? Right. This was a story from uh, Finnish public broadcaster YLE, or Yle, as it's pronounced in Swedish, which was quoting the Dossier Centre, a Russian investigative news site. Now, they said that they had seen two leaked memos from a Russian intelligence agency from late 2022 that were leaked by an intelligence officer, they said. These memos include suggestions that Russia should burn copies of the Quran in Sweden in order to disrupt Swedish relations with Turkey and thereby to complicate Mm. Sweden's NATO application. Now, as most listeners will know, 
there were subsequently a number of Quran burnings, including by people with links to Russia, mm. which indeed had the effect of damaging relations with Turkey and delaying Sweden's entry into NATO. Now, the dossier centre says that it has no direct evidence of Russian involvement in these Quran burnings. All they have is these documents that said that this was what Russia was planning to do. Right. Um, and Sweden's foreign minister, Tobias Bidström, would not comment specifically on any of the claims in uh, Ulla's report, but he pointed out that it's well known that Russia does not want Sweden to be a member of NATO. So I think mm -hmm. these, these, these reports have, in some people's minds, confirmed what a lot of people suspected. But there's, as of now, no absolute confirmation that any of these Quran burnings were instigated by Russia. But very interesting report nonetheless. Mm -hmm. Okay, thanks, James. And we do have a, a news report about this on the site that we link to in the notes. We'll move on to politics now and the left-wing Social Democrats. Uh, Sweden's biggest party has released a series of reports that are set to pave the way for a policy overhaul. You wrote about this in your weekly column, Richard, which we'll link to in the notes. What are the most important things to know about how the former Prime Minister Magdalena Andersson and her party are thinking? Well, I think what's most striking is just how critical they are of how Sweden and by extension their own party, the Social Democrats, have handled immigration and integration over the past 20 years. I mean, Lavan Riedar, Social Democrat MP, who herself is uh, of Kurdish origin, she, she said, I think we should be deeply self-critical talking about the Social Democrats in a interview with Afton Bladet about the report. And in the report, it sort of goes on about just the scale of immigration that there has been in Sweden over the past 30 years, which it paints in very stark numerical terms as a sort of chart of the numbers and compares and sort of stresses that no other country has really had so much immigration in such a short amount of time. And then it also is very critical of the extent to which society has come in to help those people who've, who've arrived integrate. So it says, out of fear of stigmatising people, read our rights in the report, society has not been willing to admit that certain groups need extra support and targeted measures, which is worse than these groups' chances of integrating. And she specifically mm. points to people from African countries which don't have functioning education systems. So you have a lot of people who have trouble even writing. It's very hard for them to get into the Swedish labour market. And it's similar with the, the report on gang crime, which explicitly links the problem with gang crime to past immigration policy and failures of integration policy, which is quite a big step for the Social Democrats because they've in the past tended to have a, a class-based analysis. They're saying, you know, it's mm. not it's not where these people come from. It's the fact that they are deprived and don't have uh, the same resources of people in the rest of society. And again, Teresa Cavallo, who, who led that report, in that report, it says, one reason we didn't get this issue right is probably to do with the fact that the Sweden Democrats' arrival in the parliament led to us as a party in our rush to distance ourselves from the Sweden Democrats to temporarily lack our own analysis. So I think it's I think it's really interesting that they've done this. And what's weird about these reports is that they don't come up with any policy proposals. They're just analyses. And the policy proposals are supposed to come within a year or so, sometime next year. And what's interesting about that is, is it, it's hard to see where they're going on it because it seems to be bedding the way for quite a much stricter immigration policy and also much more interventionist integration policy, but it's just unclear mm. whether the Social Democrats are willing to go that far because in her year as uh, PM, uh, Magdalene Anderson repeatedly said she would turn over every stone to fight failed integration. And I didn't see any really, really far going policies that they came out with in that period. So it'd be interesting to see where this goes. And there's been a lot of criticism from within the Social Democrats 
from in the Swedish left to some of the things that they've said in these reports and the direction that they seem to be pushing. Yeah, and we'll come back to this when they do come back with more concrete policy proposals. We also wrote this week about the Swedish National Audit Office calling for a clampdown on permanent residency permit holders who no longer qualify to keep their permits. How much of a problem is this according to the Audit Office and what does it want to be done about it? Well, they said it had come at a cost. They estimated that people who'd left the country had received, I think, 430 million kroner in undeserved welfare benefits between 2013 and 2020, which is actually not a huge cost, really. But what they said is that they had found 13,000 cases in 2020 when they checked where there were strong reasons to investigate whether the person was living up to the requirements of their residency permits, of which I think 9,000 people had kept their permanent residency despite having left Sweden, which means that they can carry on maybe getting benefits while they're living in, I don't know, another country. And they said that I think one in 10 people with a work permit had no registered income and one in four people with a residency permit for higher education was not registered as studying anywhere. So that's, you know, pretty big failure. What I found a bit weird was that In the press release, they made out that nothing had been done about this. But actually, in 2020, the Migration Agency ran this huge project, which is in the report they they talk about, where they checked all the people with permanent residency against the people who've left Sweden. And Mm. that meant that 12,000 permanent residencies were recalled in 2020 and 14,000 in 2021, which is actually a lot more than the under 10,000, which will be recalled right now, this year, when the government has made this a big focus. So I felt that uh, it kind of missed out. Uh, they they didn't draw attention to the fact that work had already been started to, to remedy this. And also the fact that over this period, there was the refugee crisis. I mean, they had a lot of other things to be <laughs> to be dealing with in the migration agency. Yeah, um, we, have a, we have an article about this on the site that, again, we'll, we'll link to in the notes. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Now on to Spotify, which is one of the biggest stories in this week and certainly one that will affect many of our listeners. So Spotify... Uh, announced that it was laying off 17% of its employees. What can you tell us about this, James? Why is Spotify making these cutbacks and what kind of reaction are you seeing to the news? Well, the way Daniel Eick, who's CEO of Spotify, puts it, he says the company is trying to right-size its costs. What it says is the more difficult economic environment, economic slowdown that we're seeing, but also the cost of capital, that's to say rising interest rates, mean that the company has to do this. So effectively, the company had borrowed significantly to invest in the growth of products like like podcasts. Mm. But now the cost of servicing debts has increased and economic growth in general has taken a hit. But some people were surprised by this because Spotify had just posted a profit for the third quarter, which is something of a rarity for Spotify. So Mm. things seem to be going in the right direction. And 17% of the workforce is 
a lot of people. It's about 1,500 people worldwide. So obviously, this has created a lot of concern among people affected, uh, not least those whose work permits are dependent on their employment. And Spotify has said that it will be working with people, particularly those whose whose work permits are dependent on their employment, to try and help them find solutions. But clearly, that's going to be a worry for a lot of people. Can I bring you in here, Maria? Do this week's Spotify layoffs have repercussions for your members at the Stockholm Dual Career Network? We don't know yet. Um, We haven't heard anything uh, specific from any members, but of course it can happen. What we know, which is positive for us since uh, Spotify is one of our members, so they pay an annual fee to to take part of our network and they just gave us a thumbs up for for next year. So they are still prioritizing these people coming here with a partner. Right. Uh, So of course that could be individuals who are affected but they still take very good care of those people coming here. Mm. So we're happy for that. So if your members are affected by this, I mean, what happens if the, the partner with a job gets laid off? You mean with their accompanying partner? Yeah, exactly. I think we would take discussions from case to case about that. We don't yeah. throw anyone out. and Hopefully some of their partners already get a job too, so they can save the one who got laid off. We never throw anyone out, uh, so we, we will still take care of them. You won't, but 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 there's always a danger that Sweden. Oh yes, might that's the that's, that's the concern. of course yes. We haven't talked about it yet. It's so recent. We haven't heard anything from the people we work with yet. But it's of course uh, it can of course be a problem mm. and difficult situation for people. And if we talk more generally, um, what are the main issues faced by the accompanying partners of people who move to Sweden for work? Well, the main issue is of course finding a job. We know that. Among our members, uh, they are very highly educated. So we have like 96, 97% have a university education, at least a bachelor. So, and they have, we know that something like 85% uh, have left a career in the home country. Mm. So they come here and of course want quickly to get a job. So that's the main problem. That's That's the biggest issue. And after that, we know that one other really big thing is uh, loneliness Mm. and depression of the fact that you suddenly come to a country where you are nobody, you know no, no, nobody, uh, you have no networks, you don't know where to start. So these, I think these um, mental or, or psychological problems, mm. we have understood uh, that this is maybe the biggest issue. Mm. To just, you don't know the language, don't know anything, especially if you come from third countries, it can be completely different to everything you ever have seen before. So we think the social part is really, really important. You come with a high education, good CV, good uh, work experience. They will find jobs because most of them do. But in the beginning to to feel this isolation, maybe don't know where to start. That's the biggest issue. That's interesting. I think that's something that we see, James, in a lot of the countries where we operate. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not just in Sweden. It's just it's an issue for people moving to a new country. Mental health issues. Mental health issues. Over, yeah. over and over. Yeah. They really are. And I think, you know, this worry about about not finding a job, not necessarily for financial reasons, sometimes for financial reasons, but also just for this this, this wanting to feel, have a purpose in life, wanting yes. to have something that's, so you're not just an, an appendage to to your partner. And and I think this is one of the things that worries me with the state of the economy right now, where we're seeing more pe- people being laid off at places like Spotify. We've seen it at Klarna. We've seen it at 
lots of other companies in Sweden and in many other countries that the local works in. And, and I think if this is going to, I, th- I guess the concern is this is going to make it harder for people who um, are in this situation to, to find work. I think so. From my former work, we know that that was a region in Sweden that so very they had very high level of unemployment, and it, this like a generation, a couple of years away from the job market for a couple of years. Then they come next generation to take these places because mm. they are younger, they are cheaper, they are more recently educated. So it's of course it's so important to get a job to do something. I think today's life in most parts of the world it's is based on that two in a couple are working. So, so the former expat situation doesn't really exist anymore. And um, everything is so much focused on your professional life. It shows who you are as a person and you study for it and you want to work with it. So it's, of course, it's so important. Yeah, because because if we look back maybe 20, 30, 40 years, and if you were if you were expatriated, you would get a big package, someone would sort out your home, someone would sort out, give you extra money and you would, it would be... It, you it, took it, care it, of the house. They took, someone took care of the house. And 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 that's you, that's not really the case for most people who, who who find work abroad nowadays. No, I have hardly met a single one who who has that situation anymore. So you come as a couple and both want to work. So it's really important to quickly get to the job market. In Sweden, it normally takes a year to get a job here, even for Swedes. How does the dual career network work? I mean, what do you actually what do you do for these accompanying partners? I'm so proud because we started this year an academy. Because um, before we had open sessions all the time uh, with different uh, job-related uh, workshops to help people to get into the job market. But we found out this it was the question about the social life and the depression and the problem of feeling alone. Mm. So we, want, we knew that if we kept people in a group, it was much better for them to feel confident and to meet the same people, to at the same time get friends as you uh, look for jobs. Mm. So we started the Academy, which is a five-week program. It's yeah. called Unlocking Sweden. And we don't start, at least in Sweden, you're always very practical and you should be useful. So you start by learning how to write a CV in Sweden. But there are lo- many steps before you get to that. Mm. So what we do is the first week is only concentrated on history of different kinds of Sweden. Swedish history, Swedish art history, Swedish industrial history, geography, to have a good knowledge about which country you have come to, mm. what is here, what what are the rules, how do people behave. We talk about mental health. We work with uh, psychologists, with um, personal coaches to, to help them understand that they still are the same persons, even if they have changed country. Uh, so you can build up your, your self-consciousness and feel confident uh, about yourself that everything will be fine here. Mm. We teach them everything about how the Swedish job market looks like, what kind of companies we have, what ways forward you have if you want to switch career. And that we also, of course, work with CV workshops and how to create your LinkedIn profile, teach mm. them networking, which is the, the key to everything in Sweden. Yeah. And at the end, we have a recruitment event where they speed date with recruiters mm. and, um, and some companies. What kind of results do you see from that? Oh, we have now, eight, we have the last cohort going on now, ends next week. And when the year's over, we have had 80 people examined from this academy. And mm. we can see from the first groups from winter and spring, many, many of them are already having jobs. So we can see it's, we think it's really good uh, concept. Fantastic. Makes us happy. Um, Sweden's government is in the process of what it calls its paradigm shift on migration. 
Uh, at the start of November, for example, the salary threshold to qualify for a work permit uh, doubled and the government is applying the rules retroactively to people already in the country. So how are changes to migration rules affecting members of the Stockholm Dual Career Network? We can say that most of our members have partners working in universities. Uh, researchers are exceptional. Uh, yeah. from these rules. So we are a bit lucky in that mm. way. But of course, people are worried. It's a big change. The level is, of course, very, <laughs> it's almost double from before. And it will be difficult. That's for sure. Uh, and worrying. And you, you cannot, maybe not bring your partner from the beginning. We haven't seen it yet. It's also very recent. But the feeling is that it's worrying, of course. A bit happy, though, that the universities are exceptions. But I, I read yesterday about the UK will do something Similar. Yes. It was even worse, I think. Yes. It was um, yeah. a, a very, a very high threshold to bring to bring a partner into the country. Yeah, yeah a very expensive to uh, to apply for permit residence permit. A residence permit. Yeah. Well, I think this is the thing. I mean, what Sweden's what, what's happening in Sweden is 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 reflective of what's happening in so many parts of yes. Europe and the world. It's you know the the barriers are going up, which is I think a concern. You. For, it's a concern for people who are, you know, mobile citizens. It's also a concern for companies who need expert labour, who need who, who need who need skilled people to work for them, um, and who are and who are working in an international environment. If you're Spotify or if you're Klarna, okay, Spotify's laying people off right now, but it's still going to need to recruit people in the future. Yeah. And you know, and if you're even if you're a smaller company like the local, you know, you need to recruit people from other from other countries sometimes. And it's a real barrier to growth. Yes. If you if 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 governments just put up the barriers all the time. Yes, I, I think so. Uh, and I know I have a, uh, a post in uh, working in the European Union, and I know that all regions in Europe need to import workforce. Mm. Not one single region is mm. growing by <laughs> normal nativity, so we need people coming in. And if they only put up barriers, it's it's really really bad. I think it's going dangerous development, I must say. Mm. It's kind of related to that. Sweden's migration minister, Maria Malmö Stenegard, um, has said that she wants Sweden to be more competitive in attracting people to the labour market who possess skills that Sweden needs. And the migration agency is close to launching a new work permit model that it claims will speed up waiting times. I mean, from your perspective, do you think Sweden is doing enough to attract highly skilled international workers? Yeah, I've been working with this for many years. Uh, you talk about talent attraction to to attract the best people coming here. Yes, I think the, they do work with talent attraction, uh, but they don't work with talent retention, mm. which is more important almost to take care of the people who are already here. For a company or an organization who employs an international person here, it's a high cost, of course. Yeah. You have to move someone here. You have to uh, make them start the job, understand the job. And it takes half a year before you start to bring in something to your company. And if the people leave, uh, not only because the partner home is not uh, feeling well or doesn't find a job, it's so expensive. It's so really bad. So I think maybe talent attraction, yes, they do quite well, but they forget about the retention. And that's even more important. Mm. Because when people finally come here, you have to keep them. We can't lose people going who find, they settle down and suddenly it doesn't work and then they leave. That's really bad, I think. And if expensive. you were if you were prime minister of Sweden, yeah, what would you do to improve talent retention? Oh, I think we need to see numbers. People don't understand how much money it is in this. If you compare an unemployed person here 
uh, using the Swedish system, as to say, compared to when they start to work and bringing in some tax money. It's really on a low level of salary. It gets so much money to the to the state mm. and to the municipalities when they start to to work. Yeah, and I think we need to see those numbers. Not only see it as a problem, but actually, what does it mean when people work? So I would like to see a report about that. Yeah, Just what show how valuable labor migration is to Sweden? Oh yes, some sectors wouldn't survive without international people. That's for sure. And as you said, you've been working with these issues for years. It must be really interesting working with so many people who are completely new to Sweden. I mean, do you find that you learn new things about your own country from speaking to the participants in your programs? Oh, yes, we learn so much. It's so it's a luxury to to meet all these people who highly talented and we learn so much from them. And I think a big problem is that in Sweden, maybe in other countries, too, it's that people who recruit, they don't really know, they don't understand what does it mean to have been uh, an exam from a certain university in India, for example, Mm. because it's not famous. They know about Cambridge or Stanford, but they don't know about international universities Mm. or educations. And that's a problem, I think. This, um, I wouldn't say ignorance, but not enough knowledge about how the world looks like. So, and also, of course, the, the discrimination with special, specific names. We, we can see that it's much easier for Europeans to get a job here than if you come from a third country, that's for sure, even though they have many times as good educations and experiences um, as Europeans. But maybe that's human, I don't know. But it's something we have to fight uh, a lot for to mm. support these people to push them and recommend them and it's much more hands-on work from our side to maybe call a company say we have a really good candidate here she's from India <laughs> please look at her CV so we have to teach recruitment companies and also HR departments about how the world outside Sweden looks like mm. some companies are really good at this of course but it has to be more spread. Do you see tendencies that, you know, some sectors are more open to foreign talent than others? Oh, yes. Which which, which, which ones are good? If you were going to say which ones are good at this and which ones are, are bad? I think tech sector is really good. Yeah, you'd expect, I guess. That's yeah. because they can't find workforce. They have to import people because we don't have enough Swedes. Mm. Bad conservative, I would say, is bank finance sector. Uh, it's very often, uh, it's difficult to get in to a bank, uh, have a bank job. I think many people in Sweden, when you start to work in a bank, you start at a really low level and then you race internally. And also another really difficult thing in Sweden is that we don't have these kind of junior jobs. You're immediately a project manager. We don't have these first line jobs uh, where you normally easily can get in. Because when international people come here, they feel maybe they don't uh, know the Swedish language. So they don't want to apply for jobs Mm. at their right level. So they want to start on a lower level to get in. But actually, we don't have that kind of jobs, assistant jobs or secretaries. Or, so it's it's quite high level. And then it's, that's, uh, of course, puts up a difficulty to get in there. Uh, a group that has really big problems here is all the uh, regulated occupations, because it takes long time to come as a nurse or a doctor. Yeah. It would be so good if that could be a quicker process, because yes. it's people who really need, they are needed here. Mm. And um, it's it's frustrating for them to wait so long. Yeah, so yeah. they need to get their their qualifications yes. certified quicker in Sweden. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. psychologists or mm. nurses or doctors. Or... Yeah, it breaks my heart meeting, especially people from sort of Arab countries who have studied at a very high level in 
in in a subject that is hard, hard to get working in Sweden, you know, and, and you just end up driving a bus. It's so yes, it's, it's so a sad. waste. It's such a waste of, of human capital. Yeah, really. Yeah. We've had quite a lot of people sort of contacting us in the last in the last few months. I think you know, reading 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 reader stories about you know about and this was including some of these people who are going to lose their residency in Sweden because of the um, increase in, in in the in the in the income requirement. And a lot of these people who talk to us, they're extremely highly qualified. They're not working in extremely highly qualified jobs right now, but they are extremely highly qualified. Yeah. They are, you know, they are like like Richard was saying, you know, doctors, nurses. And they what they what a lot of people are hoping is that they get that they they work a few years driving a bus or whatever it is, and then once their Swedish is up to scratch, once they've managed to go through all their studies, that they will be able to go back to the profession that they started in. Yeah. And they've put in so much effort and so much personal investment. And thanks to the income requirement, for many of them, it's going to have gone to waste. And and it's and it's gone to waste for Sweden too. That's what's so sad. Yeah, I talked to a friend of mine. She's Lebanese and she's an interior architect. And when she came here with her husband, who's Swedish, uh, it's like maybe 20 years ago, the first year she didn't have a job. She worked as a, she had internships with the companies and she said that was the way of getting a job. Mm. Um, but she wouldn't be let in today. No. So of course it's, it's, yeah, it's not good. No, it's sad. It's very sad. What do your members find most surprising when they move here? Uh, I think one thing is that so very few jobs are advertised uh, you don't have any job ads. Everything goes through networks and contacts. Many don't. They haven't yet a LinkedIn profile. Very many jobs in Sweden are, are um, they find you rather than you find them. Mm-hmm. And also, of course, the flat organizations is very uh, surprising for many people. They have been through all the interviews with everyone. And at the end, the end interview is actually with colleagues. <laughs> and finally, it's the colleagues who decide if you are a nice chap or not. <laughs> yeah. So the social thing is very important here. You can come with a top CV, best CV, best recommendations, mm. but if your future uh, colleagues don't think you are nice enough, you won't get the job. Can that be a hidden source of discrimination as well? Because you think that the colleagues are interviewing you for to, to find out whether you're going to get on with them on a social level, and if you've come from a different culture yeah. and you're you're forcing them to speak English rather than Swedish, for example, might it be that the colleagues? Even subconsciously, are thinking, actually, no, we prefer that other guy. We preferred Kalle, the Swedish guy, because you know we we could joke with him and we had the same cultural references and everything. Yes. Is, that, is it? Is it? Isn't that a risk? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and also very difficult. If you don't know Swedish culture, how could you, how could you behave yeah. like a Swede? So that's part of the, what we teach in, in the academy: how Swedish business culture work and how Swedes <clears throat> behave and why. Mm. So that's important to understand. Because people can't understand that I had everything they asked for, but I didn't get the job after the last interview. Mm. So, um, so I how think, to go into the colleague interview and behave like a Swede? Yeah, I don't, I don't really. It's so difficult because I'm a Swede. <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't cut someone when they're speaking. Don't talk too much about yourself, like the Jante Logan. You know, don't. You shouldn't think that you are someone. Be quite humble. I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Don't boast. Terrible thing. How was it for you when you came here? I, I have to say, <laughs> I I've only done one job interview in Sweden, and it was, but it was cool. Mm-hmm. I think it was always about finding what I had in common with the with with the person sitting at the other side of the table. Yeah, it was trying to find those 
those points of commonality. And I was exactly. lucky. I was just so lucky uh-huh. because the person that was interviewing me, we we talked a little bit about her background. And it turned out that she she was completely Swedish, but she had for two years lived in the town in England where I grew up. Oh. And then, of course, we I mean, that was just luck. It was yes. just a stroke of luck. It's like, oh, you know, we had that that point of contact. But maybe you can find that point of contact with something else. Maybe yeah. it's, you know, a hobby or an interest or a film or a, I don't know. Sure. It's... I think Swedes like generally like people who are like they are. Mm. So to find common things, it's a good, that's a good tip. Yeah. And also to tell about your... Many Swedes are curious to know about you. Why did you come here? Uh, not just to talk job. Yeah. I think that's a bit surprising for people sometimes that you don't only talk about your merits. Uh, it's not seen very positive if you tell it, I can work, I can deliver 200%. That's scarce, Swedes. Yeah. You don't say that uh, because that's not what they want. Uh, it's a work-life balance here that is important. That's maybe a bit unusual. Uh, if I come from completely other culture, and I think if you've maybe if, you, if you've just come to Sweden, I think Swedes do, do love talking about Sweden. They do love hearing about what foreigners think about Sweden. Generally, nice things. So if you've got something nice to say about Sweden, something that's that surprised you when you went, since you've arrived, even if you haven't been here very long, sort of share it because it will give you a, give them a sense of at least it's something that they that they can relate to and yes. might be interested in. And also tell them why you came. Yeah, yeah, I came here from with my with my wife. We came from India because she got a job in uh, Karolinska Institute. So we came here with our two children because Swedes are quite shy. They they wouldn't ask that. But they are very curious to know. So I think that's a good tip. I say always tell where you come from and why you came here. That's a good opening thing. But in general, we can see among our members that Sweden is still a dream country for them. They love to be here. They want to stay here. And compared to many other places in the world, Sweden is still very, very good. So I think it's easy to talk about only negative things. We can see depending on where they come from, this is heaven. That's it for this week. Please share the podcast with a friend if you think they'd enjoy it or leave a review if you can. Anything you do to spread the word is very much appreciated. Our panelists today were James Savage and Richard Orange. Our guest was Maria fogelstrom Schulberg, who also presents a podcast called Stockholm is a State of Minds, which you can listen to wherever you find podcasts. And thanks for joining us, Maria. Our sound engineer is Rhys Edwards. I'm Paul Mahoney, and we'll be back again next week. Until then, take care. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. That's all for this week's free edition of Sweden in Focus. If you'd like to hear a full-length version of the podcast each week, as well as an additional midweek episode with more interviews and analysis, please upgrade to Membership Plus. Make sure to check the episode notes for details on how to upgrade. Sweden in Focus is a podcast by The Local Europe. Our sound engineer is Rhys Edwards. The publisher is James Savage.